Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day in Spring of Life Fellowship, a place where we fear God and we walk in your understanding. It's a wellspring of life for all those who come and drink. We pray that this day would be the day that the Lord has made. Father, we're about six days before Nick's wedding, and we just want to share the blessings that we have received. We have received things that we have implemented and we've made practical, and we want to hear how Nick uh, perceives these matters, and they're strange, they're unusual, but they're the building blocks of what's coming down the road. So we thank you for his life, we thank you for Mel's life, we thank you for the Gill family and the Molina family, and the union you are making to form a new family with a solid foundation of peace, of joy, of the fear of God. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet. We don't have to second guess and, and try and figure out what we're gonna do. All we need to do is be willing, surrendered participants to your word. Allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet today. As we discuss the marriage union, as we celebrate what's about to take place, we're, we're on, the, on the eve of a glorious day of a young man who has decided to follow Jesus and to do it as Jesus has said. Jesus also being a faithful, obedient son and waiting for his glorious union with his bride, the church. So we pray that this would be a glorious day, that you would give us wisdom to share our hearts, that we would go into the word of God and just look at things that are there to be able to consider that these are not theological, religious rituals and ceremonies, but they're fundamental building blocks to put lives together, to put families together, and to bless our children with the glory that covers them in a holy, pure, godly marriage relationship. Bless our time together, Lord, and allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet. Allow your word in these matters to be able to inspire the next generation of young people to follow the examples, not that they could think of or imagine, but that they can reach out and make tangible. They could have conversations with Nick. They could have conversations with Mel. And Father, this is the lifeline to a generation that is blessed, a generation that is fruitful, a generation that will fill the earth with your glory. We give you thanks for a world-changing vision where instead of strife, anxiety, fear, depression, there is hope, faith, and love. There are people that are really implementing your word as a tangible expression to be followed and to be pursued so that we might see your purpose fulfilled. Bless our time together, bless our words, and let them, Father, O oh God, be nourishment to our bodies. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words that proceed from your mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How does it feel right on the eve of diving off the high board? Yeah, it feels very surreal. Uh, Mel and I were talking earlier that it feels very fake. I feel like everyone in our families have had the impact at the rehearsal that a wedding is coming, except for me and Mel. It's almost like we still haven't gotten the notice. We still haven't made aware. Um, and I think part of it is because it's too good to, you know, it's, it feels too good to be true. Amen. Well, somebody's out there telling you right now, wake up and smell the coffee. Because yeah. <laughs> it's happening, and it's fast, and it's furious. Okay, so one of the things that was really interesting is that Nick walks into my bedroom uh, a couple of months ago. He says, hey, Dad, you know something? Um, we have like a window of opportunity. Yeah. And I was like, what's the window of opportunity? He says, look, if we don't get married now in December, we can't get married till summer of next year. And what did Dad say? 
my dad's like, well, you should have got married last summer. <laughs> Basically, no. He, he, you know, Get he married like, now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no time to wait. This is not like, oh, I don't know if I should get Yes. If you're, if you're thinking about getting married, the answer is get married. You don't postpone marriage. You, you, you move in that direction. Why? Because there is a fountain of blessing that a lot of people think, well, is, is it going to be problems? No. It'll be problems if you do it outside of God. But in God, um, I have a verse here. We'll go to the verses. Uh, Proverbs 18, 22. What's the Bible says? You should have the same mindset God says about marriage. And this is what it says. If you find a wife, you found a good thing, my friend. Amen. Yeah. If you find a wife, you found a good thing. And guess what? You obtain the windows of heaven open to pour favor on your life. So you need favor? That's what I feel has happened. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, I almost feel like God blesses me for Mel's sake. It's not just yes, that's true. That's God's game plan. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that, that they're like, man, why am I so blessed? And I'm like, I know why you're blessed. Because your wife is praying because you have a godly wife. So these women that, that posture themselves to trust God. Say, God, you know something? I, I want to get my position. And, and it's so important. Because like you just said, and, and he said it, I didn't say it. The wife becomes the, the conduit through which God pours out his goodness upon man. And so a lot of people, uh, like in the life of Abigail, you'll look her up in the Bible. And, and her husband was about to, man, he was about to get steamrolled by the fury of David and his men. David and his men were coming to rip his head off. And Abigail went out and says, don't do this. And so she saved her husband's life. And I, I know a lot of people are listening to it right now. Uh, they're thanking God for their wives because they should have been dead a long time ago. They would, have been, they would have been thrown in the trash. But because of a wife, uh, Evid, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Evid and Wendy, every time Evid says, I don't know why I'm so blessed. I said, her name is Wendy. And I always tell him that. Um, so a wife is a conduit of God's blessing over the family. So that's why choosing, and, and we'll go back to that verse again. When you find a wife, and, and a wife is, is something that God is putting together for a long time. Let's go back to that verse in uh, Proverbs 18.22. You, you find a wife. You, you don't want to go through a model and find a, a book model and say, I want to marry her. Because you'll be plagued for the rest of your life. I had a friend of mine that, that picked a woman, and uh, he married her, and all of a sudden she says, I really don't want to be a wife. I want to be a Hollywood celebrity. And she took off to California. So it's a curse to marry somebody who in their heart is not, doesn't have a disposition of a wife. And so a disposition of wife could be seen way before the wedding date. And a lot of people uh, think they're going to marry a wife, and they marry a witch. Which, which is which? No, we won't get into that so fastly. But a rebellious woman, a woman who's not walking in the design of God is what we call a witch. The Bible says that, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So if you have the tendency to find a rebellious woman attractive, all you're doing is marrying somebody who will bring continual rebellion into your marriage and into the heart of your children. And, and some people, I, I say here, I, I've written in my notes, the closest thing to heaven on earth is marrying a godly woman. The closest thing, if you want to experience heaven on earth, marry a woman whose heart is moved in the direction of God. Because it'll be a continual expression of joy. The Bible says the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness. Things will go right. So the opposite of joy is anxiety. The opposite of peace is depression. And the opposite of righteousness is things upside down, chaos and confusion. So you, okay, so we say that the closest thing on earth to heaven is a godly marriage. And then what is the closest thing to hell on earth? Marrying an ungodly woman. Exactly. Or man, you know, it goes both ways. So, so a lot of you can say, man, I'm going through hell. Well, keep going so you go through it. You know, don't stay there. Um, move in the direction of God. Because uh, God has a disposition which is glorious. And, um, and so a lot of people tell me all the time, I wish I would know what you're telling me before it happened. Well, you didn't listen or you weren't willing to let yourself be 
um, taught. Um, so that, that was that one verse. Um, we already went to that first verse in Genesis 2.18, and we touched upon it. It's not good for you to be alone. And uh, uh, when man, you know, when is surrounded by thoughts of independence and being alone, those are stupid thoughts because God created woman to be a perfect helper. So here God has fashioned this woman to be the one that helps you champion life. And, and it's a good thing that God has provided, uh, and we usually say it at the wedding ceremony. Um, it's not good to be a lone ranger. It's not good to be uh, Zorro. It's not good to be Batman and Robin, you know, whatever. Um, but, but it's good to, to find and to ask God for a help me. So we always want to know, where did you first meet this woman? It's funny because uh, in the world, there's, uh, there's sayings on where, where you should find the wife, right? And people like to uh, meet girls at clubs or at a bar or, you know, through friends of friends. But in the world, they say the best place to find the wife is at the grocery store. Right? That's what I heard. In some the of my produce friends. section. Yeah, in the produce section. <laughs> just twisted philosophy. It's ridiculous, you know? Uh, you know, a very, very machista mentality. Um, but I always tell people, uh, guys and girls, I say the best place to find uh, a perfect uh, soulmate is in the church, really. Um, and, and that was my case for sure. Uh, Mel came to our church at a really young age with her family. Um, and so you actually found her in Sunday school back there in well, the baby's room. Because God right? is so good, right? Um, somehow, some way, God, I actually saw Mel for the first time at eight years old walk in through the front door of my house. What? So it wasn't even. Thank you, know, you Jesus. Yeah, just, just, Hallelujah. I don't know. God works uh, that way. Um, but um, to be able to, to, to grow up in the same church. Uh, to have met that way is is there's really no better way to go about it. So if you're if you're going around and you're looking uh, around school, if you're looking around at the gym, if you're keeping your eyes open at the supermarkets, uh, close them and run to church. Right, come to church and seek God's face, and He'll give you a good wife. Amen. And and unfortunately, a lot of us, you know, being brought up outside of the church, um, it was a nightclub. It was, uh, uh, you know, some party. Um, how horrible when a, a relative introduces you to your wife outside of Christ, right? Hey, I have a friend. <laughs> Thank you for ruining my life. Um, but no, it's true that the church, a place where, where people are fearing God and walking according to God is, is a wise place. And, and actually, uh, I came to the Lord um, and, and that, was, that was my first request, saying, okay, I need to find a woman that loves Jesus. You know, and that, that, I knew if I, I found a woman who loved Jesus, she would love me and, and despite me. And so that became one of the first characteristics. Um, a lot of people think that, that love just happens, Cupid pulls out his arrow and slings you a shot. But the truth of the matter is you can direct your affections in the direction uh, that, that, that is consistent with what God does. So to be able to be joined with somebody of like faith is a decision. Yeah. You don't sit there and say, I want to go marry somebody who doesn't believe in God. I want to marry somebody who's an atheist and curses God every day or lives without God. You know, there, it, it goes a long way to be able to find a praying companion. And, and that helps out a lot. Somebody who talks with God on your behalf um, I think it's important. Do you know Mel to be a praying woman? I, she does pray very often, and uh, and definitely we've been blessed because of that. In fact, she almost uh, she encourages me to pray more often. You know, and that was my heart's desire was similar to yours. Uh, my dad always told me, "You want to marry a woman that loves God more than you." Yes. That was always the 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 bottom line, uh, and thankfully that was like the first thing I noticed about Mel. Is that she was always uh, her her heart's desire, her priority, her focus was always seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness, uh, and encouraging me to become more and more uh, the man of God that I'm supposed to be. Now, some people are out there listening to you, and they're saying, "Well, so you're marrying a nun?" 
Definitely not. Okay, yeah. so the scenario is the fact that these women pray doesn't mean that they don't do real life. They pray to do real life like God wants it to happen. And so when you get to know God, this is not, you're not marrying a nun. She doesn't marry a, a eunuch. Uh, no, the, these are young people that have decided to make God a part of their relationship. And it's so important because um, that's next to wisdom also. As you pray, God leads you in his direction. Look at this verse. A lot of people think that what we're doing is just a new, like, expression of this innovative, wow, look at how Nick is doing this. And, and how often do you guys, like, you know, meditate and go off into the woods? No. Look what it says in Matthew 19.4. The Bible says, have you not, uh, have you not read... What are you supposed to be reading? That he who made them since the beginning made them male and female. Isn't it good that, that you were able to distinguish between the opposite sex? Yes. Yeah. And instead of being in a world where they're like, okay, men get with men, women get with men. No, God made male and God made female. And one of the things that happens in marriage is a glorious union of these two incredible realities, male and female, and God said these words with it. Verse 5. Since the beginning, he says, for this reason, the male. No, it says man. What happened between male and man? Could you describe that a little bit? Yeah. Um, Manhood people, being the mature right. expression of male. Which is uh, what, what people often confuse is that just because you're, you're a male, you're born with, uh, you know, male uh, anatomy doesn't automatically transition you to becoming a man that being a man is is a decision that you make and walking and serving the lord where you reach a, a point of maturity where you you receive that title of manhood um and that only comes through denying yourself uh through walking in obedience through suffering um and and to seeking god with everything that you have um at this point, right, where it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, uh, until you become a man, you're not ready to leave your, your mom and dad. No, that, that is a first step in being able to get to the point of, you know, that everyone desires of marriage, of, of, of having a wedding and whatnot. Um, and, and, you know, thankfully, um, I'm happy you asked this question because I wouldn't be the man that I am today if it wasn't for my mom and dad. Uh, who were able to raise me, correct me, instruct me, uh, and were able to help me get to the point where I'm, I'm able to now uh, accept on a, uh, the responsibility of caring and loving for a woman in, in marriage. Um, and it was because of a father that, uh, that disciplined me, that instructed me, that raised me up, that today I, I'm able to leave uh, my father and mother and be joined to a wife and enjoy what is marriage. So thank you very much uh, for that. The Bible says uh, in, I believe it's Proverbs 20, verse 7. If it's not, it's Psalm 20, verse 7. No, yeah, Proverbs 20, verse 7. That the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. And I've been able to see the relationship that my parents have uh, and, and, you know, most people just see them on Sundays and they see them behind the pulpit or they see them behind a microphone. And they see how nice, uh, nicely dressed they are. Um, but I've been able to see them at home, you know, in, in, in comfortable clothes, sitting on the couch, eating dinner. Uh, and, and the reality of God in our home has encouraged me to want to pursue that in my own home, now with Mel. Um, and, and because of that integrity that you guys have shown, now we are super blessed uh, and are walking in that blessing here today. Amen. So thank you. Uh, there's so many things to unpack in this particular uh, design where he says, haven't you read from the beginning? And then it goes on to say, for this reason, let's put that verse back up there. Uh, Matthew 19, uh, verse 5. For this reason, um, a man... And, and those of you that are following along, please don't, don't miss this stuff. Um, if if a, a person decides to fast forward his relationship with his mother and father and not regard their instruction and their discipline 
and you receive that man, uh, it's almost like eating bread before it's out of the oven. All you're going to do is get a stomachache. It's, it's, it's not nutritious. That dough that is not baked, that hasn't become bread, instead of being nourishment, it becomes an ailment. It becomes something that makes you sore. So maturity in manhood is super important. Otherwise, if he leaves, uh, for this reason, a man, if, if a child should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, they don't become one. Because the, 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 it says the two shall become one. It talks about denying self to be able to concentrate on each other. And when there's not that maturity, there can't be that union. So you see there's a falling out within the first month or couple of months within the marriage because instead of becoming one, you have two selfish brats, and a rebellious people, a rebellious man, a rebellious woman. A rebellion in a woman leads her to be a witch, but rebellion in a man leads him to be a child because the opposite of a man is a child. And now he wants to play video games and all. How is it that you've been able to say goodbye to your childhood years because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I, I, don't, I don't walk in the framework of immaturity. So how do you explain that season in your life to say, I put away, you know, selfishness to come into the contemplation of bringing Mel into my life so I could not be selfish with her and we could be one in marriage? I think part of it that helped was um, growing up, there, there was always a, a father in our home. There were youth pastors that were leading examples on how to deny themselves and how to walk selflessly. And uh, the reason that people don't want to leave video games or the gym or you know going out with their buddies uh, in pursuit of something serious like marriage is because it calls for someone to leave adolescence where you have no responsibility, where you have no cares in the world. You don't have to worry about things like paying bills or feeding fam a family or anything that you're working. Um, but instead, you're just caring about yourself. And so that, that's what it comes down to. But uh, living in a family, you come to realize that it's not all about you, that not everything happens or not everything is taking place just for your benefit but rather that you're called to something greater, which is serving other people. And, and whether it was serving my parents, honoring them, or serving my siblings, serving the church, you start to realize that serving other people and, and living for other people is a lot more uh, rewarding, and it's also um, it's, it's a lot more uh, fulfilling than it is living for yourself. So uh, it, it, everybody wants a family. Everybody wants... Uh, uh, to enjoy what is the, the benefits of family, but not a lot of people want to deny themselves. So uh, being a son and, and walking in sonship and learning how to walk in obedience helps you transition to the point where, listen, it's not all about me. It's about living for other people, and now I want that. Now I'm, I'm living for that. I, I was just watching, God has blessed our church with amazing young couples. that, that They came here single, they came here not knowing the Lord, and then they found out that there was actual design and model. And, and yesterday at your, uh, at your wedding rehearsal, I was able to sit next to Claudio, Molina, and Ashley. And they, these are two young people, and they both come from uh, a past of their childhood of selfish parents that ended up in divorce and separation and all manner of things that were super bitter and not good. And I was watching them yesterday with their son, Sean. And that's what I notice about them. Here are these two, Claudio Molina and Ashley, which are two young people that came to our church, single in their teens, and now they're married and now they have their first child. And what I noticed the whole time is they're helping each other, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure they need to with Sean. But, with Sean, the uh, octopus. Uh, yeah. he, he is enjoying seeing two people sacrifice themselves for his benefit. And that's what, that's what you're doing right now. You're, you're starting out in that direction. But it doesn't start the day you get married. It's not like all of a sudden magically on the day of your wedding, you're going to start being unselfish. Because the opposite of love uh, is selfishness. And when you're being selfish, you can't unite. And so that, that's a, a major component that Jesus came into this world to bring. The capacity to model not my will. 
to deny what you want. And a lot of marriages come together, and Craig Hill wrote that book called Two Fleas and No Dog. But you have two parasites that want to suck the life out of each other and then realize there's no bloodline. There's nothing to suck because they're both parasites. They're both living off of each other instead of living for one another. So that's, that's where the verse says, Matthew 19, it adds this component, verse 6. First it says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. And then verse 6 says, so they are no longer two. Are you looking forward to that no longer two now? Yes, very much. <laughs> it's not going to be his opinion or her opinion. It's going to be what does God want with us? No longer two, but one flesh. And then it says, therefore, as God is joining this thing together, let no man pull it apart. Let, let no man think it's better that, that it would be two stories but that it would be one story. One day I was doing marriage counseling here at the church and the man was like overwhelmed already. And when I started teaching him about laying down his life, he says, he finally just capitulated and he surrendered. He says, okay, pastor, from now on, I'm gonna do everything my wife des desires, what she wants. I go, no, 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 wait, 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 time out. One thing is for you to surrender your will. Another thing is for her to surrender her will. So you're not doing what you want, but you're not doing what she wants. Both of you are doing what God wants. So that, that is the strength of marriage. That, that God's interest and priority would be at the forefront of your union. So here in my notes, this is not something that magic puts together or pixie dust. It's not Cupid that you welcome. It's not Chencha uh, La Santera that you go visit to do hokey pokey on your bed sheets. So you guys get together and become more in love no it's actually denying self the more self you take out of the marriage relationship the more god is able to implement something that is a blessing to your family and even of your relationship um, this process the bible starts the uh, this is so important the bible starts out with a marriage in adam and eve in the book of genesis at the beginning the the, the bible starts out with the marriage story and then the Bible finishes with a marriage story. Which one is it? Yeah, Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Okay, so marriage is like fundamental in God's expression of reality. For those of you that don't know, the Bible started with a marriage. And at the end of all things, there's going to be wedding bells ringing when Christ comes for his bride. So I thought it was cool today, right before Nick's wedding bells ringing on Saturday... December 5th, um, that, that you're in the posture of where Jesus sits waiting for that day. So tell us a little bit about what you think Jesus is, is looking forward to um, as you're looking forward to here in the next couple of days. Yeah, definitely um, throughout life you get, you, you're put into different circumstances and stages in life where you get a glimpse of what it is that God um, felt or experienced when he did certain things for us. So I've always heard that fathers, um, when they have their first son and they're able to, or their first daughter, and they're able to see that baby and they come to realize, man, this is what God, and, and you can only be experienced at that moment because that's the only time that you feel the, the love of a father. Uh, what it meant when it said that, Jesus, that God gave up Jesus Christ for our benefit and how he was willing to give him away so that uh, through his sacrifice, we might have a, a means to heaven. And a lot of people, it, it hits them there at that moment, like, man, you know, that, that, that was a huge price to pay. But God was willing to do it because of his love for us. So now here I'm in, I'm in this position. At 25 years old, I'm getting married in less than a week. And the feelings that I'm, I'm sharing now are, are same or similar feelings that Jesus Christ experiences when he looks to us. Um, and uh, Pastor Joey, who gave us the marriage classes, he told, uh, he told me, he goes, man, right before she turns that corner, she starts walking down the aisle, that is what Jesus Christ is, is feeling when he's looking towards his church. I mean, the, the, the excitement, um, the joy, the, the, the pure, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you want to call it an adrenaline rush. of just Exhilaration. Just 
so excited and so happy to finally be joined together with his bride. Um, and, and in my life now, um, you can't even, I can't even put it to words uh, how excited Mel and I are. Uh, and, and, and not only that, but just um, the, the incredible uh, times that we have left you know, and to come. Because uh, the, the, the bride and the groom, the marriage, uh, their, their lives really just begin on the wedding day, right? They become one and that's when your life begins. You know, then you start having kids and you start moving on to buying a house and you start going on. So Christians, you know, the best is yet to come. Here we're separated uh, from our, our eternal uh, husband, Jesus Christ, and we're longing, we're dreading to be joined together again. Um, and, and that's how I feel. It's, it's just a, a surreal feeling and, and just a, a, a ticking time bomb just waiting every hour every day every week um and it's really crazy that now we're, we're less than a week away yeah that clock is ticking um you know you you bring up the the scenario of of when you see her on that day and she would have been waiting her whole life all those princess movies someday my prince will come and and she's like oh, you know what if that day she shows up like a slob and she's not prepared and her hair is going crazy and she's like flip-flopping and she forgot her dress and she's, what a, what a horrible nightmare. Are I'll, you having nightmares like that? I'll be like perfectly that? honest with you. <laughs> I, I, I can't even imagine Mel just on an every, every, any average day, let alone on her wedding day, to be not uh, beautiful. But uh, I, to your point, yeah, you know, as a groom, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Pastor Rivera is a secret romantic. Everybody knows it, right? Uh, especially Clara. So uh, right on, Pastor. Um, as, as a groom, you're excited because essentially this is going to be the most beautiful. She's going to look the most beautiful she's ever looked in her entire life, which is very hard for me to imagine, right? Um, but she's going to have her hair done perfect, her makeup done perfect. She's going to have the perfect dress. Uh, we're going to look perfect. I mean, everything's going to be perfect. Um, and those are the expectations that a groom has towards a bride. Um, and uh, not that I have, uh, you know, set expectations of obligations of she must be wearing, she has to be wearing these shoes or she has to be wearing this dress, but there is an expectation that she is preparing herself for what's going to be an incredible day. And, and, and again, now as a groom, I understand what Jesus Christ is expecting from us. He's expecting that, uh, you know, he's poured out his life. He's shown, uh, he's, he's really given himself totally over to us. And now he's waiting in, in eager anticipation for this glorious, beautiful bride without uh, spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Um, and, and that's, uh, it's, it's really... Um, it could be intimidating, I guess you would say, because we know our faults and we know our imperfections and we know that, that we don't meet the standard. But thanks be to God and thanks to Jesus Christ that he is that, that perfect sacrifice. And with his blood, he's able to wash us clean and make us incredibly uh, a white as snow so that we're ready for that presentation. We're ready for that celebration of, of the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, I, I've met, I've met, We've been doing this for a long time. I've met a lot of men that says, I'm looking for that woman. But the truth of the matter, um, Ephesians 5.25, Jesus says that he gave himself. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So what people don't understand, there's like, man, that day Mel is going to look like incredible. She's, she, her face is going to radiate. The joy is going to be through the roof. The, the, the expectation you have set up in your manhood for this occasion. Because you could have done things. Look what it says. He gave himself... He loved the church and gave himself for the church. His focus was on her. What for? Verse 26. That he might present to himself, washing with the word, sanctifying, separate, cleansing her. Verse 27. The purpose of all this is that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Yeah. So if you would have got Mel pregnant, 
and she would have had probably not a glorious wedding. Her parents would be sad. If, if you would have cheated on her and been unfaithful, she, she would not have joy and peace. If, if you would have uh, left the church and become a rebel, it, it, that, that would have put a predicament in her to not be with a person who honors the church, honors his pastors. So all this manner of stuff, we see what makes the woman, the Bible says, a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, holy. So I want to say that a, a lot of people says, I haven't found that woman. No, you haven't made that woman. Because the first thing you do when you're with a woman is you have intimacy with her. You, you walk the way the world walks. Um, you date instead of court. Well, I want to talk about that. It's super important. You guys went through a process of courting. The world goes through a process of dating. And we have so many of your friends that are your age that says, if I'm not having sex with my wife, I don't know how she's going to do, perform when we get married. But here you guys have kept yourself, you know, holy and pure. And, and now you guys stand to enjoy an incredible expression of God's purpose. Um, so I commend you in that because I think that the man as a leader prepares the, the groundwork of the conditions for the girl to be glorious. And if you're with an immature brat who's selfish and thinking about being in a parked car or going off where there's no parents and no supervision, that's actually what dating is. Yeah. Dating is a union without supervision. That means you're holding her hand and you haven't asked anybody. You're kissing her and you haven't asked anybody. You're, you're being intimate and capturing her heart and still you don't have permission to do that. So let's, let's, let's transition over to you're going to, you, on Saturday, you're going to get the fruit of your faithfulness, the fruit of Mel's faithfulness, to have put all the parameters, because I know everything you guys have done, you've done it under scrutiny. Talk a little bit about the difference between your friends that dated and you that went through a process of courtship like the Bible teaches. Everything that Mel and I did was with the bottom line of making sure that we were both honoring our parents. And uh, I just want to just encourage anybody that's out there that's not married yet. Um, if, you're if you're laying a foundation for your relationship based on secrecy, on... Uh, behind the scenes, behind, conniving. You know, acting in the shade, um, doing things without letting people know in secret, then you're headed for an incredible destruction. We call and it a rude awakening. Absolutely. And Mel and I, everything was always very transparent and open. Um, for, you know, and, and even, even the things that maybe one would feel embarrassed to share with another person. Um, but we always wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, we were pleasing the heart of God and, and pleasing our parents and honoring them. And so uh, we always were, were asking questions, asking for permission. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we're, we're um, 21, 22 years old. You're in college already. We're, you're, you're in college, everybody. And everyone in the world, you're from high school, maybe even from middle school, everybody does whatever they feel like. They're not asking anybody's parents for permission to start, you know, getting to know the other person. They're not, uh, you know, asking for permission to text the other person or to make phone calls. Everybody just does what their own preferences are. Um, and today, none of those relationships are even together anymore or they're not enjoying it at the level and the degree that Mel and I are enjoying it at. And, and I remember the day that I went and I talked to George formally and I said, listen, I, you know, I... Uh, I really like your sister. Uh, I'm interested in getting to know her more with my intentions of getting married. And that is, is super contrary to what the world does because the world wants to, like you said, get to know each other very intimate to then figure out if this is even a possibility later down the future to get married. And so they'll go, you know, they'll run all the bases and they'll do everything to their heart's desire. Um, and then after the fact decide, well, you know, she's not really my type. You know, women aren't cars. They're not, uh, you know, it's not for you to take out test drives. No, this is a princess from God. And that was something else that, that really struck the fear of God in me was that Mel is, is a daughter of a king. And that whatever it is that I do to her outside of God's um, authority, permission, through her brother, through my parents, it was not going to fare very well for me, right? So, uh if you, if you see a woman in that light, um, 
and, and thankfully, uh, by the grace of God, um, I've, I've been kept free from having ever seen pornography or seen lewd uh, movies or anything like that. So I, I don't see Mel, or I don't see women in general as, as um, you know, as sex, as, objects. As sex objects, but rather as, as daughters of a king, as princesses of the most high God. Um, and if you're a guy out there and you're stuck in pornography, the devil is robbing you of being able to enjoy an incredible marriage and an incredible relationship because he's keeping you from being able to see what, what a beautiful creature a woman is that's complementary to, to a man. Um, and, and I thank God so much that, that through the church, uh, by his grace and mercy, he's given me the proper perspective on how to treat Mel and how to love on her and how to take care of her. Amen. I, I tell that all the time. Again, the men say, I haven't found the one. And it's not that they haven't found the one. They haven't made the one. Because to get into a woman's pants before she becomes your wife is to ruin that relationship. And it's ruined by selfishness, by a desire of self. I have here written, two people can mutually claim to be boyfriend and girlfriend if they are physically attracted to one another. And they have a crush and claim uh, each other for themselves in a special relationship without having ever asked anybody. You're my girlfriend. Well, who told you? There's a funny story that happened this week with one of the small boys in our church. Uh, we were at my house. And um, he says, hey, pastor, I already know who I'm going to marry. And he's seven years old. And I looked at him. I said, what are you talking about? You haven't even talked to the pastor. So then he's like, oops. And then he goes, well... I just want to let you know who she's going to be. And, and so he's trying to tell me, you know, that, that he's interested in this little girl. So when he tells me her name, he says, and she's going to be the boss of our home. I'm like, wait a second. Not only did you not tell your pastor, but now you let her take a role that's not hers. Jesus has to be the leader in your home. And he goes, okay, for her little sister, she's going to be the boss. Uh, it was so funny. But what you're saying is so true. Unless we make our lives, you know, and, and we talked to a young girl who's 28 years old out of New York. And she says, Pastor, I haven't found my lifelong companion. I go, because you have sex with everybody you meet. You have intimacy. You start on the wrong footing with the person you want to be special. If you want somebody to be special, you got to treat them special. And so that means you have to walk not in dating, but in courtship. Describe courtship. Yeah, and that's what I love about uh, Mel and I's relationship is that we're best friends. And that was established very early on uh, as we got to know each other through the different, uh, you know, youth group, um, serving the Lord in, in, in the worship team, um, you know, going uh, on, on youth retreats, um, you know, and just growing up in church and having a good time. And uh, that was established before anything else, right? And, and were there feelings, were there emotions? Absolutely. But there was nothing, uh, nothing commenced outside of, of permission or, 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 or authority. Um, and I love the last class of a marriage class is intimacy, right? And that was an awesome class. But we're going to get nothing... there. We're going to get there. Well, it we was, call that it... the romance. Yeah, sure. Uh, they, they, it was, had nothing to do out, you know, join Zuleika. That was growing up in the church. Uh, they're like, listen, we know that you've heard a lot about marriage uh, classes and about maybe the stewardship and finances or about the marriage covenant. Uh, and maybe you guys have heard a lot about the different classes. But, uh, you know, on, in, my, in my 25 years here uh, in church, I had never heard a lick of anything about the intimacy course, right? I had never participated in the marriage conferences. I had no idea what to expect going into the class. And since I had nothing to, you know, I had no, nothing, uh, no expectations as to what they were going to talk about, I was so um, inspired and encouraged at the fact that intimacy has nothing to do with sexual relationships, right? Or very little. It has to do with the genuine bond and the friendship, the courtship or relationship that these two people have. Because two people can be having sex, like you said, uh, in college or outside of college or in high school, whatever it is, and they don't even know each other. Some people, they do it uh, under the influence. Some people, they do it, uh, you know, against their will. And none of that has to do with intimacy. 
But uh, what God intended was for two people who love each other, have very close relationships, have an incredible friendship, they're able to come together and, and their re sexual relationship that is, it comes after marriage is almost uh, an addition to the already intimate relationship they already have in their, in their friendship. And so Mel and I, we're best friends. Uh, you know, we love sharing life together and doing things together, furniture shopping uh, and planning our honeymoon and doing all these different stuff has been an absolute joy. Um, and we're very much looking forward to marriage and to what's to come afterward, but we've already, we already have that close relationship uh, as a foundation. Okay, I want to define dating as the um, no boundaries yeah. expression of just going about a relationship without supervision. If you're going without boundaries, there, there's nothing marking what is dictating the relationship. It's not being overseen. You're not, you're not headed in the right direction, according to Nick. Courtship is the supervisory um, uh, mentors, parents, uh, older people, pastors, and they mark different seasons of how the relationship gets together. So a lot of times we come from the world where people says, well, we don't know how to do it, but now we're in the church. Just let them do it. No, my friend. There, there's actually people that have expertise in building. And what you're building is a relationship bond to last forever. And you want to do it in such a way where engineers and architects and builders and contractors and specialists are wiring this thing for enjoyment. Uh, I remember when Javier and Francis bought their first house, they slept in it. There was an electrical craziness and they had a fire in their house the first day they moved in. A lot of marriages are like that. They put it together however they want. Oh, nobody mess with us. Nobody tell us what to do. We don't want it. This is ours. And brother, it is yours. And you got pie on your face and, and you, you have to eat it. Your life is full of shame because you didn't allow God to bring you into supervised boundaries of healthy expressions. So we have this. There's so much to unpack here. I want to tell you, Nick, as your father, 1 Corinthians 7.33. A lot of people think that they get married for themselves, but no. You actually get married, the Bible says, to find out, and here it is, he who's married has to concern himself about how to make his wife happy. What's that mean? That a lot of people think, oh, man, I'm going to get married, and this is going to be, no, my friend, this is going to be the beginning of you trying to figure out the unfathomable, deep, profound, complexity, labyrinth of how to make this woman happy. I can tell you one thing. Buying her a Christmas tree is a great way to start. <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, I want to suggest you talk to Jose Palma. He has to figure out how he's going to make Ceci happy. Talk to Joey. How to make Suleika happy. Talk to Pastor Kenny. If you really want to know, talk to Pastor Rivera. <laughs> Talk to Pastor Omar, how to make Leanne happy. Oh, my God. Talk to your uncle, Rene. Yeah. The married man, he's to concern himself about the priority, not of me, myself, and I. And a lot of men miss this. And so I tell in our marriage counseling, you've been ordained to a very important place in this world. And this is, as a husband, you're to make Mel the most beautiful woman upon the earth. And that is, happens not through Botox. You see all these husbands that have to fill up their wives with Botox because they haven't smiled in years? The most beautiful expression of a woman's reality is her capacity to smile. And so through the years at our home, our three boys have been in love with their mom. And they're like always on her. And, they, and I would say, go find your own. You got to go find the, your own woman who smiles and has peace in her countenance. So that's what's going to happen also on your wedding date. She's going to be the most beautiful woman. And we say like this, 26 years ago, I married the most beautiful girl in our neighborhood. And she was amazing. Today, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. And, and it's, it's, the, it's, it's the efforts of a man. It's not to concern yourself with a bigger career, a better finance, salary, a, a better car, a better boat, a motorcycle, more toys, more outings. No, you're to be like Christ, and you're to concern yourself in this world 
about how you could please her. I want to finish because we've taken longer than we thought was going to happen. Uh, it's been good. Um, we've just scratched the surface. But this is what Christ has done. When you talk about Jesus and you talk about the church and you talk about the Bible, you're not talking about theology. You're not talking about ecclesiastical expressions of hallelujah in the choir. Sadly enough, the church has missed it and has not shown our children the joys of putting these things together for the glory of your children. Um, the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the inheritance is not money in the account. The inheritance is giving them parents with godly character. So you and Mel are going to be able to be great expressions of, of God's glory to your children, my grandchildren. Um, I can't wait. Let's bring Mel up here, and I'm going to ask the last question. I'm sorry, Mel, we're on the romance part. Uh, and romance is that, that physical union. And, and, and we want to say this. This is super important that you would, you would understand. There, the world talks about getting together based on physical attraction. And that's how they start and that's how they end. As soon as the physical attraction is over, usually the marriage is over. And because the only union they have is a physical bond of having intimacy and sex and, and, and watching what Hollywood says. I want to tell you, if you do your relationship the way Hollywood does, then expect the divorces that Hollywoods have. If you follow a celebrity like uh, Pitt, what's his name? Brad Pitt and, and the... And the, before one, the first one, Jennifer Aniston, Angelie Jolie, and all the other garbage relationships that are put together in Hollywood, you're going to be able to reap from what you sowed. But if you sow godly seed, if you live like these two young people have decided to live, then you'll have the expressions of joy and peace. One of the things that you shared yesterday at youth group is tell them real quick uh, the pursuit that causes this to be the result? Right. Uh, Mel and I, um, we get a lot of people asking us a lot of different questions about, you know, whether it's uh, about my, uh, my career in the legal field, um, the fact that we just got a new apartment, we're getting married, um, that I was able to buy her engagement ring and a lot of different things. They see Mel's life, they see that she's thriving in pharmacy school, she's going through her rotations at Jackson South. Um, you know, she, she's, she's, uh, she's able to enjoy a bridal shower um, and, and all the different things that we've been able to enjoy. And they ask, like, what's the secret? You know, what's the bottom line? How did you get there? How did you, you know? And uh, this is not a, a strange um, outlook on life. A Result, lot of people, yeah. a lot of people are striving for things. They strive for the desires of their heart. So they want to have that position. They want to have that scholarship. They want to have that status. They want to have that relationship, and that's what they pursue. But the secret is that the Bible says, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And then, you know, that what follows is as you're pursuing God, which was what Mel did, which is what I did, as you pursue God, you give him everything. Your priority is always seeking him. It's not relationships. It's not school. It's not, um, it's not uh, friends. It's not going out to the movies. It's not any of those things. Our priority was always the church, being here at youth group, walking in obedience, uh, listening to what it is that, that our, that our uh, youth pastors had to tell us, and then... Uh, Proverbs uh, 27, excuse me, I think it's Psalm uh, 27, 4. Mm -hmm. No. 24. I lost the, the reference here. I had on my, okay. um, that God will give you the desires of your heart. You don't have to strive for them. You don't have to chase after the wind. You don't have to go out and try to do it all on your own strength. If you seek, there it is, Psalm uh, 37, 4. Um, if you seek God and you put him first in everything that you do, he's going to give you better than whatever it is your expectations are. Because the Bible also says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So whatever it is that you do see, whatever dating relationship you see in your classroom, 
whatever uh, experience you see other people having on their Instagrams, that doesn't even compare. That is not what you want because God knows what you want and what you want you can't even imagine. So what we're living today is a dream. We can't even believe it. Half the things that are taking place in our lives uh, are things that we, we really had, I guess, low expectations for. And God just blew open those expectations and has allowed for us to enjoy things that are better than we could ever have imagined. You know, have the, uh, we, we went to do a marriage conference in Abilene, Texas with your mother some years ago. And um, there was a journalist that, that printed in the front page of their newspaper there in Abilene. Um, after the marriage conference finished, they said, Pastor Joaquin and Yvette delighted us with their fairy tale marriage. You know, the people in the world think that this is like a fraud. They don't think it's real. They think there, there, there has to be something dark and sinister. Wait till Nick finds out. Wait till Mel finds out. But the truth is these progressive steps of what you sow is what you reap. And the Bible, I'm going to talk to Mel now. She will answer this question. Um, to be able to have walked next to Nick all these years and you guys have enjoyed a friendship, we, we want you guys to understand, first it's a spiritual union of fellowship, finding somebody who loves Jesus. Then it's the soul, which is a friendship. That means you talk. There's some marriages that they don't even talk. Let's, let's kiss, let's touch, let's, let's get intimate. But they never find out what food they like, what colors they like, what career they're into. They, they don't encourage each other to prosper in those areas. And then finally, uh, spirit union, soul union, a, a person that honors their parents, a person that's walking like Nick just described in the church, uh, serving. And then the last one is the body union. Spirit, soul, and body. So in that body union, you can have an expectation to enjoy a physical union uh, with a man that you've seen his word, his promise, and now on Saturday, his covenant. That, 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 that she found the man that kept his word. When he said he was going to do what he said he was going to do, he actually did it. Mm-hmm. When he promised you, I'm going to marry you, and I want you to be the woman of my dreams and my wife, he's actually delivered on that. And, and was able to prepare the conditions to get there on Saturday and actually everything is set for that bond in, in, in before God and before witnesses. Uh, you guys have done well um, before the church, before your family members, your parents, your siblings. You've left a mark that will be here for long after this day is gone. Um, tell us a little bit about your expectation and what's, what, what's going through your thoughts. Uh, of coming into agreement with Nick. Um, Amos 3, 3 says, how can two walk together unless they come to an agreement? How have you been able to posture that over the years? Um, I'm very excited. I'm really, really excited to get married. Today has been incredible. Um, Everything you guys shared, the perspective of Jesus and walking down the aisle, how he feels and getting to hear that from Nick incredible and and how you said it um, about marriage and how marriage starts as a youth and all that like incredible and I'm so blessed that even though I'm, I'm seeing that in that perspective now that we both chose to walk that way and start as a youth without even realizing that hey you you know you're setting yourself apart for that but um definitely I'm very excited and looking forward to becoming a team as the bible says two are better than one and I've even seen that in our friendship you know, where I lack, he comes in, or where he lacks, I come in, and, and we really have been able to build that. So as he said, going into, you know, intimacy and going into marriage and all that, we are excited because we've built that foundation going into it. Um, and we're just very, very, very blessed that we've been raised um, here in church. So those of you who have young kids and are in church, super important don't give up um make sure that you bring them make sure that you're being the example at home and i just my heart too is throughout this whole process and i'm so happy that that it has been because people have come up to me that they're so excited so when they get married so i'm glad that our engagement process and everything all the decisions we made were not perfect but the decisions we made have led us to this point and it can be an example a beacon of hope knowing that it is possible because in this world like you said it's unheard of. And I was talking to Nick about that the other day. It's unheard of. Everybody sleeps around. Everybody does what they want. Nobody asks their parents for permission. Nobody wants blessing. That's, that's rare. But to be able to say that we were able to do it and by God's grace we're living it, we see it. And, and also um, timing has been crucial. 
like, I know it's the timing because literally the heavens have opened. Like, right when he proposed to me, that's what I would tell everybody. I just feel like the floodgates opened and this outpouring of peace, joy, and favor. Like, everywhere we've gone, we've received the favor of the Lord. So we know that it's God's timing. We know it's God's will. And um, we're excited, and that's all that's in my heart that I have to share. Absolutely. No, you're not got done yet. Here goes. Ready? <laughs> this is powerful because a lot of people don't understand that that day is so important, the, the honeymoon. You guys are going to go away and enjoy for the rest of the, your life what you prepared all these years. The devil wasn't able to take it from you, and, and he wasn't able to bring a stinker and, a, and, and, and bring something to make that thing so uh, Let's listen to this verse, Hebrews 13, 4, where the Bible says that, that where we're headed in our marriage relationship is a place not to be defiled. Can we have that there, Hebrews 13, 4? The marriage is an honorable thing. This, this is not to be, it's not a light thing. It's not something to say, oh, well, whatever, we'll end up there someday. No, my friend. It's something that's cultivated, it's something that's cared for, it's protected, it's precious. You guys have allowed us to care about your union and, and speak into it. And, and at every season and crossroads of these things since second grade, <laughs> uh, not so much so, but as you guys started being interested in each other and wanting to perfect your friendship and bring it before the Lord, it has blossomed into the fruit. It says, the bed should be undefiled. To see the difference of, of defiling the relationship where you do things with attitude. If you, if you would have got together with a person that didn't listen to his parents, didn't listen to his church, didn't listen to his pastor, was you would have a mess on your hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but allowing us to mess with him and curtail the expressions of self, which is a beast, a labyrinth of selfishness. And the same thing with you, uh, seeing that process uh, of your parents dealing with you as you developed and the church and the, and the godly leaders. And then uh, Joey and Suleika were able to sit there and say, okay, fighters to your corners. And then say, okay, you come out and, and fight decently. You know, that, that's usually the instruction. And we need this. We need this. So when you come together, you treat this union as precious and not disrespectful and dishonorable. And it says, uh, for fornicators and adulterers, those people that do it wrong, God will judge. And so you see the Bible is full of this. I want to just touch on one more verse, and it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. Uh, this union is a godly union. This is the will of God, to do it with sanctification and staying away from sexual twistedness. So a lot of people think about you guys getting together. Okay, uh, let's get into the hanky-panky or the nitty-gritty. No, the, the issue is to say, I'm going to... The, the part about being a groom is you have learned because of your life to make things attractive. You have kept parameters. You kept boundaries. You've kept. So now you guys bring that into your marriage. And, and you guys are set. You guys are set because now the kingdom of God is established there. Look what it says, verse 4. The will of God is sanctification, not no boundaries. That each of you should possess your vessel in honor, in sanctification. Since you guys did things right, Nick is not going to walk down the street and start flirting with a girl walking the dog. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be selfish to your loss. Mm -hmm. But because he walked it out, each of him possessing his own vessel, verse 5, how do the Gentiles do it? Not in the passions of lust, like the Gentiles, who do not know God. So if you would have got into a relationship with each other with the passions of selfishness and you being a brat and he being a brat, when you get into the marriage relationship, what do your kids have as parents? Two brats doing whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And so we see God's design is perfect. The, the Gentiles don't know God, so they walk in selfishness. Verse 6, no one should take advantage of each other. Because the Lord avenges these things, and we are forewarned. We, we warned you. We've told you guys all the paradigm of what we enjoy today. Look what it says, verse 7. He who rejects this, oh, no, I'm sorry. God did not appoint us to a mess. God did not create man and woman to come together in marriage to have a mess. He did not call you to uncleanness, but to this realm of holiness. There's something holy about how you guys put this thing together. Verse 8, 
trying to hurry up here. Therefore, he who rejects what happened today at Spring of Life is not rejecting man. This is not Joaquin's way of doing things. This is not they're too radical, they're too crazy. No, they're not rejecting man. They're rejecting God because he's given us his Holy Spirit and he's ordained these things. So I thank both of you guys. I'm proud of you. I'm going to be bawling at that wedding. <laughs> I, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, don't let me mess up that hearing. If you guys hear something going, ah, ah, that'll be me. I'll be in the back. I'll try to put my handkerchief <laughs> on my face. But uh, I'm expecting a glorious union. I'm expecting a glorious fruit of this union. And, and the earth is blessed by men and women who decide to do it God's way. And your children, uh, like my children, when, when um, Christina, a couple of years ago, she started going through our scrapbooks, and she was able to see how me and Yvette pieced it together, and she says, I want that. I want what God, the way God did it. And you guys are going to be able to pass this down, not only to your children, but to the next generation. So I bless you guys. I thank you for sharing your time. I know things are busy. It's coming down to the crunch time, and for you guys to be at church, some people would say, we don't have time to go to church. But you guys are always make God your priority and serving God your pursuit, and you guys are a blessing to one another. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for uh, Nick's life. Thank you for Mel's life. Thank you for the fact that you have led them and been their guide since their youth. We pray that your peace prevail and that they continue to experience prosperity and success and fruitfulness and that the eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart's of men, the things you have prepared for those who love you. So I pray that these things would be established, Lord. And we pray, Father God, that the coming days will be perfect and full of peace as we celebrate the union of a godly man, godly woman who desire a godly family. Bless them that no weapon formed against them should prosper. Give them the peace to be united into one and to confront the battles that lay ahead of them, that they would be more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. We bless them in Jesus' name, and we give you thanks for these principles in your word that men could choose to love you and to abide in them and, and walk in your commandments. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the people say amen and amen, amen. God bless you, and looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday night, and then we'll have a report next Sunday of this glorious union when we hear, uh, go into the chapel and we're gonna get married um i'm I'm looking forward to god's goodness in the life of uh, nick and mel god bless you love you in the lord